Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast, where each week we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alrighty, folks, you might be saying to yourself, well, look at this. We're a little bit early into the bar tonight. What is going on here? What is happening? Well, look, when when a legend stops by, you, you do what you got to do. You got to make make it happen for him. You open up the doors, you turn on the lights. And we have brought with us a legend. If you, if, I'm getting chills even talking about him. If you, at any point, look, don't shake your head. Look, don't shake your head. Because if at any point in time, somebody you knew in the 90s didn't drop something, and you didn't reference them, and you didn't go, and I'm going to say it here in a minute. So before I even get into doing our house cleaning, I'm going to introduce a man who started in Chicago, ended in Atlanta, and made it happen. We'll just do it this way. You go, let's, DC, you ready for this? We're going to just do it this way. Party people! DC, welcome to the bar, brother. Shoot, I need a drink after all that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you need? I, I got. This evening, man. I don't even drink no more. <laughs> uh, Can't I, even I, handle no alcohol no more, boy. I'm telling you, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. Mm. Well, brother, look, you can't tell me that any of my my normal audience. You know, we had a few few youngins out there, but in the '90s, if you didn't drop something, look at somebody go, whoop, there it is. Look, you can't tell me. Yeah, people still do that. There's a plethora of TikTok videos that I just <laughs> I go through and just shake my head. But you know, it is a it is an honor and it is a blessing to have been, you know, endowed with such an incredible record and with the ability to after twenty eight years still be doing stadiums and arenas filled with people wanting to hear that music. So Bro. I'm truly blessed and the reason I'm here today is because I just love talking about the things I wish people had told me when I was a young man. Brother, just have a conversation and try to help people out just to achieve their goals and their dreams. Well, we're happy to have you here and we're going to get ready to get into it. Let's do a little house cleaning first. So first thing over my right shoulder, folks, as you all know, we do sticker and a cause. What this is, DC, I'll explain it to you. Is If you know somebody that maybe they have a band, maybe they have a podcast or a charity organization. They reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or email me, all of them are the Above the Bar podcast, and send me a message and say, Murph, hey, how do I get this to you? They send me out the sticker. I'll read it on the air so everybody can hear about them and what they've got going on. We put the sticker on the board, and then everybody gets to see their sticker and remember what they got going on. So if you got a sticker, you got a cause, reach out to us, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and my email, the Above the Bar podcast. And the other side to this is we got to talk about our sponsors. So if your your media might be feeling like it's still in the 90s, you might want to reach out to media by dibs. You say to dibs, hey, belly up to the bar. He's going to give you a 10% discount on your first order and a free consultation. He's media by dibs on Facebook, on Instagram. And then if you go on to uh, LinkedIn, it's under Andrew Dibble. All right, the house is set. We're ready to go. We're going to have a house party. <laughs> We're going to have a little house party here. Hey, man, let's go. So 
let's get so you started off in chicago right dc that's where you're originally from i'm i was born in chicago and i moved to denver at four years old okay and had an incredible childhood in denver colorado and uh when i was like i was like 15 16 i switched high schools and went to manual high school um where my you know close to where my mother worked and that's where i met steve so i met steve in 11th grade and since our last names both start with a g we sat next to each other and became friends and Steve had a band and I was like, they used to play in the quad during lunch hour sometimes. And I was like, I have got to be in that band. I mean, cause it was just cool being in the band. And, um, you know, early in that year, I used to work at the truancy office uh, with Miss Patton and Miss Perry. And I used to hear Miss Davis in the choir down the hall. And I was like, I gotta be in that choir. So I, I was singing. And then my first high school dance at that uh, school in manual, I saw a DJ use two turntables and a mixer and a microphone. And those were the three things that I gained mastery at. And that's what set my life in motion, right? Because I had to be a DJ. I had to be in that choir and I had to be in Steve's band. And as we grew older, I went to California, Sac State University after high school. And my boy, Johnny Z, when we were freshmen, he got a four track recorder for Christmas. If you don't know what Johnny Z is, uh, Rated Z Records, he made the song Back to the Hotel for N2D, right? And this is a hard rock guy, and I'm a rap guy, and we taught each other so much. And he ended up being a rap producer. It's crazy because of our because of us meeting. And I remember my first um, first uh, party that I DJed, it was for uh, the Make a Sci Fi fraternity. And I just thought I was the bomb coming from Denver to California. <laughs> and, I, you know, the speakers blew, the, lifting the turntable off the wrong turntable, they was going to beat my butt. <laughs> and I got out of it somehow. And most people would have quit, but I vowed I'm going to be, I'm going to be an incredible DJ. I'm not going to quit. So I threw parties in the dining commons. And that's where I honed my skills because I used to order records from all over the country. Like, Back then, it was Tower Records, so you had Tower Records and SAC and, and down in San Francisco, and those were iconic record stores. But then I ordered records from 12-inch dance records in uh, Washington, D.C., and records from New York. So I knew every type of music there was, and that is the foundation of my DJ career because I never stopped that. So when it transitioned to, you know, to digital, to CDs, or whatever... I always knew where to get the newest records first because you go to the regions and I just got better and better and better. And by my sophomore year, I ended up DJing every single uh, frat party and sorority party. I DJed all over the state. I DJed in clubs and it's supposed to be in class. Uh, when I was in class, I was writing lyrics in class. I got these thick rhyme books where I just kept writing and writing. And when Johnny Z got the four track, he was like, I don't know how to use this thing. I was like, I'll figure it out. And for those who don't know what the four track is, is there's it's like garage band or any any dog today, but you have to use a cassette tape and you only have four tracks, right? And my boy uh had a 808 and I wanted to use it, but he was like, You can't use it, but you can come over. So I bought the four track over, made a bunch of beats, and then just made songs over all those beats. Sent them to Steve. Steve thought I was in devil worship because it was just <laughs> crazy songs. He was like, "Why are you screaming? What's that?" I was like, "I was playing the flute." Like, 
anything that I could think of because that's what it was about back then. Samples, scratches, anything you could you can do to put on a record to make it organic. But then he got the bug and he went and got him a four track. And then now tag teams making songs. Right. And fast forward to my senior year. He was like, man, you should come down and spend Christmas down here in Atlanta because he had moved to Atlanta in 88. And I went down to Atlanta. And the first place they took me was a strip club called Magic City. <laughs> Fam- and I had famous Magic City. Famous India, yeah, the world famous Magic City. And I had 500 bucks in my pocket. And in a half hour, I had zero. I'm about to say you were broke after that. Yeah, Tinkle, Tinkle and Sparkle got me really, 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 really good. So I went back to California, finished up my senior year, and I knew I was going to move to, move to Atlanta and flew Steve out to California. And we drove cross country all the way from Sacramento to Atlanta. And I think it was maybe two days. Actually, it was the night that Do the Right Thing came out. That okay. Friday night after we went to the movies, we went to Magic City. And the DJ was having a bad night. Either he was drunk or he just wasn't good. I don't know what it was. And I was like, I can do this. And I, you know, the, the security's like, there's the owner right there. I went to the owner. I was like, hey, man, you need a DJ? He's like, no, nah, but come see me Monday. Went and seen him Monday. And he's like, I don't need a DJ, but I need a cook. Can you cook? I was like, yeah, I can chef. And he said, you could be the chef and you could be the backup uh, DJ. So he had hired another cook. I went upstairs, maybe did a sat two salads and an ordered chicken wings. And the daytime DJ was like, hey, man, I got to go run some errands. Can you can you cover for me? Because he thought he had him a do boy. So I was like, all right. And back then, what people didn't understand is you never let somebody on your turntables because they will take your stuff, right? They so take your job. They take your job. You just can't do that unless you know that you're going to be the one. And he didn't, He, you know, he did his thing. And I DJed and the girls was like, who the hell is that? And I made them more money and we rocked the house. And that weekend we had a big meeting. And with all the girls and all the management, and before we even got started, never forget it. Indigo and Nikki got up, and it was like magic. We want him. They pointed at me, and it was like, and it was like, all right, you up? And I've been the head DJ at every club I've ever DJed ever since. Now, now hold on now. So we got to roll back though. You're not just talking Atlanta in '88. You're talking getting ready for Hot Atlanta hedonism the like the atlanta that i knew when i joined the marine corps in 94 mm-hmm. you knew cats that were like we're heading to atlanta for the weekend we're he-, and it was like for what it's atlanta and then it's the word started rolling it like i got there when it was best kept secret right bro, it was and it was I- fun and, and i got there when babyface got there la reed bobby brown uh too short like I got there a year before too short, but when I, I got didn't know there, too short did anything in Atlanta. Oh, he lived it. He been, we moved from Oakland to Atlanta. There's a lot of people that moved to Atlanta. It was just quiet about it, right? And we were all uh, we were all like a nomad community because we were from, we weren't from there. And I thought that the DJs would just be far superior to me, but they weren't, right? So I end up DJing at all the biggest clubs in the '90s, all the biggest, you know, Magic City. I DJed there forever because it was just easy, and you know, I realized that if we're in the South, you have to make up-tempo music or we're not going to get oh, yeah. out of there because we made hip-hop. We're from Denver and we're in California, so our influences were hip-hop, but our influences also were up-tempo because, 
you know, African Mambada and Al Nafish, yes. you know, those are the genesis of hip hop, those electronic records, right? So I went to Steve and I was like, yo, man, we have got to make an up-tempo record, but down south is bass. And he was like, I love bass and I love bass too, but you know, we're not from down here. I don't know how to make that stuff. I was like, don't think about it like that. Think like Egyptian lover, Dr. Dre, when he was doing surgery, Planet Rock, Africa Mambada, um, you know, Debbie Deb, think those, those records. And he made the beat. I was already working on Womp There It Is because it was a party saying. And people think Womp There It Is was this big Manhattan project. And it was just a record that we made. And I, I'll never forget, it was August 92. I went to went to work, went to the studio, went to work, popped a cassette in. And to this day, it is the biggest response on any record that I have ever had. And I've been DJing for 30 years. What was that? Now, see... I'm always curious about that because, I mean, everybody else says, oh, it was overnight success. It, it Obviously, it wasn't. You you put the work in. Yeah. But what was that? Where where did it go from where I'm in these clubs, I'm meeting these people, you know, we're doing this piece. And I'm going to ask you in a minute, do you have the stripper voice, though? I need oh, to yeah. know, do you have the stripper DJ yeah, voice? Tip, but about, no tip, no strip. Welcome to the world famous Magic City. <laughs> I had a bu- I had a buddy who was a who was a DJ at a strip mm-hmm. club, but he was more like the girls told him what songs to play, and he played songs. Right. And uh, like we we were in it together. Like those girls, I've there are thousands of girls who love me to death because you know as, as at twenty two, as a young man, I was liberated as a man because I realized booty wasn't the most important thing in the world, right? And making money was, and we all made money together. And, you know, they called me DC, the brain supreme for a reason. I'm a hustler. I know how to get me some money. So I would come up with, I just came up with so many individual tactics that help us, me and the girls make money. So even if a girl doesn't make money, that she's still going to tip me because she knows that I put in the work. Right. And that was rare, but if it happened, it, that's what you want. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to get at them. I wasn't trying to, you know, it was all about respect because my mother raised me right. And I, w- I didn't care if they were strippers. They was my girls, right? So, you know, fast forward to, you know, my hubris as a young man. I played Wound There It Is. I seen that response. Like 10 people came to the DJ booth. I knew it was popping, but my hubris as a young man was like, well, every record I make about to be popping. So I was playing all these other records we were doing too, right? And I think maybe like December, January, one of the girls were like, hey, man, why don't you play Wound There It Is again? I played again. Same thing happened. The response was like, I was like, wait a minute. And it so happened that one of the record reps, Rodney, not Rodney Terry, but uh, Alan Cole, came to the DJ booth. He was like, man, what is that? <laughs> and I was like, that's when the record went. He's like, give me that. He went to New York, gave it to New York, Columbia Records. Now I'm getting calls from Columbia Records. I'm like, I could do this with every label. Now I'm getting calls from every single label because they liked the record. But back then it was New York, L.A. They didn't know what to do with a whoop. There it is. Right. So I almost gave up. And this young lady named Lisa McCall worked for Mercury Records. Said you need to call Al Bell. For those who don't know, Al Bell is he used to own Stax Records back then. Because in the beginning, it was three soul music record companies at the beginning of soul music: Stax Records, Philly International, and Motown would get Barry Gordy. And he put out um, Al Bell put out Daisy Dukes the year before. Look at that I girl do. with the Daisy Dukes on. Exactly. I want exactly. you to. Yeah, yeah, Hell yeah. yeah. 
Hell and yeah. It went, gold. it went gold. And I was like, hey, I could, I'll take gold. I, I, we weren't even thinking about plant. We just trying to get put on. So I called him. Took him about two weeks to call me back. He called me. He's like, Mr. Glenn. I was like, look, dude, we got a hit record. I'm in the hottest club in the country. Everybody knows the record in this city. Everybody waiting for it. You need to sign us. He was like, okay. I was like, man, don't play with me. You know, I was like, I said, don't, don't do that. You ain't even heard the record. And I'll never forget these words. He said, brother, I don't have to hear the record. I hear it in your spirit. Let's agree to agree. Get this thing moving. And man, I, I gave about two weeks of Magic City, signed a messed up record contract, and then a month and a half, tag team was platinum. And the rest now, of it. Now, that's something I, I want to know about because I've had a lot of musicians, or no one at your level, but a lot of musicians, or I have spoke to a lot of them, and they all say the same thing. The music business is dirty. Now, you kind of, you and I were talking about this beforehand. You said one of the things you want to make sure is kind of educate people on things you wish you would have known. So mm -hmm. I've talked to a lot of, we just had a young lady, beautiful voice over, over the weekend. She's a jazz singer mm -hmm. and uh, amazing, amazing voice, but what are some of the things that you wish you'd have known then as far as the music business, like to prepare yourself? Because like you said, you signed a messed up deal. How did you, that you could have protected yourself? Well, back then it's different from now, right? But it's still, the, but it is the same. And when anybody, people come to me, run up on me all the time. DC helped me, DC put me on the game, do this, do that. And I'm like, okay. Here's a, here's a link to a file. Read that book. If you don't like to read or can't read, here's a video. Look at that video. Get back with me. And I can tell you 98% of the people don't hit me back. Never see them again. Because they have a, a distorted view of the music industry. But the ones who do, like I had a veteran. His name is Cordell. He's, um, he was in Afghanistan, Army vet. And he just be, he would be right. He had lyrics like, like you talk about gangster rap. He would talk about war. Right. And talk about how he had to dealt with it. And I would listen to his lyrics and I'd be like, dude, but I did the same way. I was like, here, look, look, you got to read that book and then get with me. But he kept me back in like a month and was like, OK, I read the book. I looked at the video. I get it. But I kind of don't understand why you telling me this. And then I had to explain it to him. And I was like, dude. I full I have full faith now that you won't get taken advantage of in the music industry because I just gave you the back end. The front end is the money, the cars, the accolades, the awards, all that crap, right? But all that's going to fade. What do you have after all that fades? And the only thing you have, the only thing you should have is your rights. Now, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, you can have a mediocre record and live forever on that record, right? And the key to it is, is knowing music publishing because everything is music publishing. All the points, all the other stuff is irrelevant. If you have your music publishing, then you can you can submit your songs for TV commercials, movies for the rest of your life because you own the publishing. But nobody even thinks about that. Everybody's like, man, I don't got to go to the club. Don't got to do this. Don't I got to have 100 women on stage. Don't I got to have a gang of people. It's like you're missing the point. And I try to tell people that learn music publishing before you even think about being an artist. Because if you don't, you're going to have a hard life. Because either you're going to, you know, for me, I'm a type of person that looks at the glass half full as opposed to half empty. So, you know, I'm in my legal. We, we, I'm trying to figure out why the record company ain't giving us what we're supposed to get. Right. We get money, but we're not getting what we're supposed to get. 
And, you know, then the record company went bankrupt. And, you know, I could have became old and bitter, right? Like most artists do, right? <laughs> but I'm not like that. I said, okay, I know I'm going to get my day in court because of the type of, of situation I'm in. You better, you better learn something. And I basically became a paralegal. I learned what discovery was. I, I learned what emotion was. I learned how the law works in the entertainment industry. And I put together all that discovery over years, over 20 years. It was about 15, about 15 years. And we finally got our day in court and we prevailed. Now, you know, it's like it's like war. You know, you're going to come back with a leg missing, eye patch. You know what I'm saying? Can't hear in one ear, but you're living, right? And there, as long as you're breathing, there's nothing on this earth that you can't do. I, I just wholeheartedly believe that. And, you know, I knew that I was in a particular good situation when I'm sitting in the movie theater and I look up and I see Will Ferrell dancing on a table in the movie Elf to my song because I know that that's a hit movie and now it will be played forever at Christmas time. Therefore, everybody will hear that song at Christmas time. That's just one of the things. But when you go back to what can I tell people in the, you know, these young, these young cats, don't nobody's going to give you anything. So you better go learn all of it. You better learn how to be your own manager. You better learn how to be your own publicist. I am my own manager, my own publicist. I do my own SEO. I do everything. I do my own photography. I do all of it because that's what's required. That helps you keep more money in your pocket. Nobody's going to do it better than you because you have your vision. You just have to learn how to do things. Nobody likes me more than I like me. Yeah, and and you know that's happened over. That's taken years, right? It's not easy, and but I've 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 done that, right? And I knew right then that whoop, there it is was going to be an evergreen product, and it was not up to anyone else to make my money but me. So what you gonna do? All right, well, you better learn how to make websites. You better learn SEO, search engine optimization. Better learn graphics. You better learn everything. And I did that through the clubs because I was doing all the promotion for all the clubs. I was doing all them. I was the marketing manager for all the clubs. I got my education. It's called being in the corridor. If I'm going to be at the club, well, then this owner is going to pay me to be educated so I can do everything for her. As opposed to her hiring 10 people to do one thing. She has to, she can have me doing everything. Just keep paying me. Open up more streams of income in 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 you know for yourself. You get lot. I was I was in a strip club for a long time. Had life insurance, health insurance, five streams of income, under the table money, tips. Let me hustle. All of that. I was there way much longer than I should have been. But I could go out on the weekends and do shows, and I only work two days a week, right? But I did the marketing and learn and learn marketing, and that's what I tell people when. If you're in a dead end job or you hate your job, that's your fault. Because whenever I have a job, I go in and I go find the boss. I go, I go find the people who pay me. And then I start down the chain. Let me learn how to do their job. Let me learn how to do his job, their job, their job, their job. So if somebody don't show up to work, hey, where's such and such? She's sick today. Man, I need to do, I got it. Boom. You make yourself invaluable. And even if they let you go or even if something happens, you just protected yourself because once you leave and you did all that work learning about everybody else's job, that stuff goes in your toolbox. And that makes the transition to the next bigger thing 
easier. I got to give you something. You get another one of these. My day job is staffing. Mm -hmm. So I do exact everything you're talking about. And I try to explain to these young cats (laughs) all the time. I don't want to do that job. It's slow. I need fast pace. I get bored easy. Mm -hmm. So did you go ask the boss to teach you something? Did you go ask somebody to do something? God's honest truth. I had two guys today told them. Now, it was a company that I'm very, I know the owner very well. Mm -hmm. I said, look, job starts at 730. Send them a message at 630. Hey, enjoy your day. Have a great day. Be great. Kid sends me a message back. I'll be there. Send the guy a message at 720. Hey, I spoke to them. They should be there any minute. Sends me a message at 745. Murph, they're not here. What do you call him? Where are you at? Oh, we're pulling in the parking lot now. Mm-hmm. I said, I told you what time to be there. Gentleman said, hey, you guys can leave. And I even told him how to dress. I said, jeans, boots. It was a junk removal. Yeah. I said, this is what you need to do. They didn't show up. They didn't do it. DC, I can't thank you. Like, you get another one. Because, brother, I, I try to explain this to people. Don't. I Even when I hire people to work for me, I you know what I tell them? I'm not hiring you to do the do this job. I'm hiring you to take my job. Hey. And, and they look at me like I'm crazy. Why would I want to do that? Because I don't want to do this forever. Hey. And, and I could give you one even better. During my DJ career, anything I've done has always been people trying to knock me off, right? And when that happens, I embrace them and I tell them how to knock me off. Yes. And they still can't knock me off because they're not willing to do what I do. I'm not just a DJ. I'm your light guy. I'm your sound guy. I change. I'm your graphics guy. I take the fast photography for your girls. I do the television commercials, the radio commercials. I do everything that you need me to do. That's why you pay me, right? And all these skills mushroomed into other skills. You know, if I'm doing the radio stuff, well, then let me get better at voiceover. So I start taking voiceover lessons. Well, if I'm doing this, let me get better at photography. I start taking, I I mean, I'm, I have tutors for everything. I love- You're a busy man. You have to learn how to learn. And the most important thing I did is when traumatic things happen to me, I vow that they will never happen again. Like the money wasn't right with, with the record companies. I was like, okay, let me learn finance. And in a roundabout way, I became a licensed commodities broker. I took the series three test. I traded commodities <laughs> just because I wanted to learn finance, but it wasn't for me because I would have had to give up music and I wasn't giving up music, but I learned so much. And what I realized is that year 2000, I'm looking at CNBC. I don't know what they're talking about. Year 2002, I know everything they're talking about. And then I found a better approach that was custom to me because, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to do a hedge fund. But I'm like, how am I going to do a hedge fund? But I tried. I said, well, how would you do a hedge fund? Well, let me call some hedge fund managers. I call hedge fund managers. I'm like, I'm who I am. It's the only time I use my, you know, so-called little bit of celebrity. And they're like, yeah, I know who you are. I was like, well, I'm got, I've got a hedge fund I'm starting. Can I, uh, I know I need some management. And it's like, man, we'd love to manage your hedge fund, DC. Well, can I get a meeting? So I had meetings in New York, LA, San Francisco, and Vegas. I'm in Vegas in this boardroom. And every, all the brass is in there. And they're looking at me like, wow, this dude is sitting in front of us. 
And we start talking. I'm like, why should I let y'all manage my hedge fund company? And they're like, well, DC, because our numbers are this and boom, 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 boom. And I just asked them all the questions. I'm just betting them. And this is the key. They didn't realize that while they were pitching me, they were teaching me. I do that all the time. So that's why I joined organizations. I joined, I, I joined three organizations a day because I, I need a personal assistant. So I joined a virtual assistant organization just so I could find they got all the resources. So now I'm in their organization. And I can say, this is DC tag team sprinkles. I need somebody that's good. Who's got me? And there'll be 15 people lined up to be, be my personal assistant. And they'll all be good. They'll all be vetted. Right. I just joined a grant writing association. Right. I'm not going to write grants, but I, I, I want to know how grants are written. And I want to know what type of grants are out there. There's thousands of grants out there. Right. So I joined the organization. So all those writers can tell me what grants there are out there. Then I know Then I can help other people. Right. I can help single moms or I can help this person. or I can help the person that's starting a business because it's not just from the government. I mean, I'm a part of so many organizations because that's how I get my my information. Because organizations are filled with people who love their profession that have been doing it 10, 20, 30 years. And they can't wait to tell you how to do it. That's why I'm embarking on my motivational speaking career as we speak now, because I joined NSA, National Speakers Association. And now I've got two mentors who make millions of dollars a year. I'm under their wing and they're teaching me the game. And they're like, you don't need us to you far. You're already there. You perform in front of 20,000 people on the weekends. That's the hardest part. You say, you just got to put the show together now. So now I'm speaking in front of anybody because I'm about to go get this motivational speaking money because I have messages and practical solutions to people's problems that have been hampering them for years. That's serious money too. That hampered me for years too, but coming up with practical solutions that you, you just with normal language that you can understand with analogies it just opens people's eyes, right? Like you, for instance, right now, did not think that this podcast was going to go in this direction. Nope. Nope. We had a whole, no- I had a whole nother plan. Like we were going to talk about, Hey, no cell phone cameras. Hip-hop and nice. I told you before this was all started, we were going to talk about Antico pizza. Cause there's a little fat kid that lives in my soul. Now we're off. I'm ready to go fight some, fight the world. Cause I appreciate everything you're saying, DC. Yeah, man. But that's, see, that's it. Right. And this is how this and I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a story. People always ask me, you know, well, how did the how did the Geico commercial come about? And I'm like, well. And this is my narrative. Right. 2011. The world thought Barack Obama was in our music video. And I get a call from a New York Times reporter and she's like, did you read the Gawker article? And I'm like, no, it's like everybody thinks Barack Obama was in your video because they took one <laughs> clip of L.A. Snow. You can look it up. One clip of L.A. Snow, and he looked exactly like young Barack Obama, and we did press for two weeks. <laughs> I've never heard, I've never heard this. Yeah, Junie Moth did a whole expose on tag team, right? And we played along with it, and it was fun for two weeks, and I was pissed off at the end of two weeks because I didn't have a dime in my pocket to show for it. And I vowed that that'll never happen again, and that's what started my SEO career, search engine optimization, the ability to get your website on the first page of Google and be seen and find the people who need you, right? And it took me 10 years learning how to build websites, learning SEO, keywords, all that stuff, schema, learning how to code, 
learning how to make Wikipedia pages, all of that, right? Fast forward, we're in the middle of a pandemic, September 2020, I get a call from my acting agent, People Store Agency in Atlanta, Georgia, and Miss Lena's like, DC, you booked a Geico commercial. And I was like, don't play with me in no pandemic. I haven't even auditioned for a black commercial. <laughs> and she was like, no, DC, they, they, they want tag team. And I was like, oh. And because I put in all that work and I had our website set up beautifully, because back then you type in tag team was all wrestling. You type in tag team today, all tag team. They were able to find me. I went to my tag team phone. There was the message from Geico. They didn't wait till I called them back. They went and found my agent on IMDb because all my portals across the board are filled out correctly. And then I let my agent make the deal. And the synergy was bananas because okay. I didn't have the lawyers. I didn't have to go get any, but this is what they do, right? And it is, they, I let them make the deal and it was the most, it is to this day, the most lucrative deal I have ever made in my life. So now the hard part started, we got to do a commercial. Well, most artists would just show up like, what we doing? But I was like, no, I'm an actor. I prepare. My whole thing is preparation. I said, I want to go on this thing with six or seven things. And I put together six or seven things the night before we had a meeting with the producer and the director. I said, hey, I got some ideas. You guys open? It's like DC, anything you want to do. I said, okay, I try to make a spin and scoop, but you know, I couldn't get anybody to fabricate. Like, it'll be done tomorrow, DC. It's like, whoa. It's like, I know kids love sprinkles, but I don't know why, but I want to do a bunch of things with sprinkles. Like, DC, we'll have a truckload of sprinkles. And I went down that list <laughs> and he was like, whatever you want to do, DC. And I was like, cool. We got up the next morning and we rocked that thing the whole It could have made five Geico commercials with the energy and the positivity that it, that we had that day. And then we had to wait. So I'm like, well, I need to get a, I need to do something. I'm not, cause we can't go do shows, right? Most people, most people, when they get a Geico commercial, it just reinvigorates their year, their, their career on a level unimaginable. Right. But like salt and pepper did theirs in 2014, they hadn't stopped touring until the pandemic. And I remember that. Yeah. And I, I was like, I got to do something. And I went and tried to find a publicist and work with all these publicists and, they were like, well, we don't know what to do. We're in the middle of a pandemic and boom, boom, boom. And it was like, you know what? All right. And whenever that happens, I'm not stuck. I go join the organization. And I joined the Public Relations Society of America. I'm going to be my own damn public. <laughs> right? And it's amazing because the, the commercial came out on Christmas. And it just started blowing. And for a whole month, I'm just trying to, you know, find a publicist. And then I just decided to join this organization two days in. Super Bowl week. I'm on this Zoom call with the CEO of this big PR firm, and everybody's asking questions. And I raise my hand, like, are press releases relevant? And they're like, well, what's it for? I'm like, well, I'm kind of featured in this national Geico commercial called Scoop. There it is. And I'm looking at the chat. It's like, wait a minute, that's not him. That can't be what, what's he doing here? <laughs> God, it is him. My mother loves that. My grandmother loves that. My grandfather loves And I just blew up the entire chat. And once they calmed everything down, now that whole Zoom and that whole Zoom cast is about DC. And the lady said, of course that press release is going to work because the whole last year has been, every story has been COVID. Every story has been political. And then here you guys come throwing sprinkles and spinning scoops and DC, you smile. You're going to go here for all the publicists. You're going to go here for all the journalists. You're going to go here for all the TV talk shows. You're going to go here for all the podcasts. Make sure your pitches are real tight. The lady gave me the entire breath 
of her experience in 10 minutes. Wow. It changed my life forever. Open doors I could have never imagined. And it is the reason that you and I are talking right now. But because I didn't let somebody tell me I couldn't do something, or I didn't let something stop me. I found a practical way to learn it quick because they sat there and told me the whole thing in 10 minutes. So now I joined uh, radioguestlist.com. Now I got everybody in the world trying to do an interview with me. I'm on three or four podcasts a day. And because I'm on three or four podcasts a day, I'm honing my message. And now because I'm honing my message, people are like, you need to be a motivational speaker. Then I joined that organization. It's like, you already got it. So you need to just get in front of people and start speaking. Now I'm like, how that type of one opportunity turn one opportunity into 10. And after that initial Zoom cast with the organization, I get a call from the Dan Patrick show on a third. We want we want them on Super Bowl Friday. And now on Super Bowl Friday, we're on me and Dan Patrick are talking about Magic City and Tom Brady. <laughs> Wait a second, was Tom Brady in Magic City yeah, with you? Yeah, two two weeks after that, uh Tamron Hall calls. Now I'm on one of the biggest shows in daytime television. And she's just accolading me to death. She's like, so proud of you guys. And the, the you know, just the, that you're acting. And she just, she's such a professional. And then three weeks later, we get a call from Gaka. We want you to be this year's uh, Talladega 500 um, uh, uh, Grand Marshals. Gentlemen, start your engines. No. You see what I'm saying? Can One we go back to Tamara Hall for a second? Can we go back uh, to Tamara? Can we go back yeah. to Tamara for a second? If I give you my, my wife will understand but can you give Tamara my number i mean i'm just saying <laughs> my wife i think will understand uh-huh. <laughs> i switch. listen to me i switched morning shows when she left yeah man i listen i watch she cbs is, now and she is professional and the way she put the narrative because i was i i, I kind of was like, like tag team is back you know back from the abyss and i was like we never went nowhere we've always been doing shows right it's, right it's always been an underlying current of people learning about that song because we we did kids records right from disney to kids bop all the way to go go noodle every kids apparatus where they take a record and then they make it for the kids we've been so all these kids so so now you fast forward to now and a father standing there rocking to scoop there it is and then his son standing there rocking to it he's like what you know about this what you know about this <laughs> because the kids have used to have it when they were in elementary school because right. it was, and the, and the grown-ups don't really know what it is. So that synergy, all these things that come together, I know how to play off them. And that's why our show is clean. That's why they can put us anywhere. We do escapades. Uh, we do ice skating race. We do roller skate. We do. We just did a parade. We do all the parades for Disney now, right? That's so we're about awesome. to do. We're trying to put together a USO tour for us. Like all these things. We're doing all these state fairs. I just got off the road, right? Just got off the road doing back-to-backs. And it's just brutal. But because, you know, this is, and I can't say this enough, you have to be, you have to make other people's jobs easier as an artist. If you don't make people's jobs easier as a artist, you're missing out on the easiest way to always be loved and remembered and always stay on tour. Because when we go on tour, all we have is an iPad, three microphone stands. That's it. It's like we're crazy. But what comes out of that three, three, those, 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 that iPad and those three microphone stands is energy that they've never seen before. They don't, we are, we're all in. You don't have to pick us up from the airport. We pay for our own tickets. We do everything. You don't have to, we're one less thing you have to worry about. If you say be there at 6 30, we'll be there at six. 
People remember that. That's what you guys got to understand is that people remember that you were early, make it to where they walk in and be like, damn, what you doing here? They remember that. And when they remember that, they will use you over and over and over and over again. Promoter just told us, you guys going to be on 30 year veteran. You guys going to be on tour with me forever. Right. And this all started like it is another example of join an organization. Like five years ago, people were like, well, you guys only got one record because I'm just trying to get more shows. I want to get out there on tour. Right. Well, you only got just one record. And I was like, you know what? Let me join an organization because everybody's just playing with me. And I joined International Entertainment Buyers Association. Now, what is that? In the, in the music industry, in, when it comes to concerts, listen, everybody. You want to know real, real game? This is it. You have the buyer. The buyer is the one who puts on the concerts, who got the money, right? Then you have your big-time promoters. Well, you got your venues. Then you got your big-time promoters, Live Nation, iHeartRadio. Then you got your mom and pops, the very people that tell me we couldn't go do nothing because we only had one song. Then you got your managers, road managers. Then you got the artists. I effectively cut out all that middle and went straight to the buyers because in Aiba, they have a convention every year. I went to their convention, me and Chubby Checker, the only black dudes there. That convention is 5,000 strong. I got a big giant whoop there it is t-shirt. And everybody's running up to me like, so what are you guys up to? And I'm like, well, we got a clean 90s nostalgic rap show. If I had said rap show, they were like, oh, no, the insurance is too. They would give every reason why they shouldn't. So I didn't give them a reason why they shouldn't. I gave them re every reason why they could. We're clean, family friendly. All those, all those adjectives, right? Right. And next thing you know, we're doing rodeos, casinos. We're doing shows like crazy because I was there. And now I just got back from L.A. and went to one of their mixers because I go meet the people. These are the buyers. These are the people who are worth millions and, and gazillions of dollars who <laughs> can put me in a residency in Vegas if they can figure out how it can work, right? And now they all know who I am because I'm present. And I make I, I make my relationships last. I'm on time. I greet people with a smile, right? These are things that if you don't do them, you are going to be sitting there waiting for something to happen. That's never going to happen. And it's your fault. Like I signed a messed up record contract and I took full responsibility because I am a grown ass man. So I said, I, I know I did that. Okay, so what do I do? Make sure it doesn't happen again. Right. And that's what I've spent my whole life doing. And then, you know, I'm an actor now. So I'm, I've got five movies under my belt. I started acting in 2017. And I got good at it quick because I go hard. I was in class every single day figuring that out. That was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. Voiceover it took me 10 years. And it's crazy because I pulled something up just a little bit ago that you were in from a voice standpoint that I was like, no, what the hell was that? Because I was going through all your stuff and I was like, Initially, I look, I'm like everybody else. DC mm -hmm. Glenn was tag team. Yep. And then I started going through, I'm like, Adam's family, D Disney. I'm like, wait a sec. Yeah, look at that IMDb. Like, people look at that IMDb and think I was actually in all those movies, but those movies, whoop, there it is, was in those movies. But now, because of the Geico commercial, everybody's like, it, it, it's just that's icing on the cake. And then I'm trying to do more Geico commercials. So I don't just. I, I'm not just happy I got a Geico commercial. I infiltrated Geico and the Martin Agency. I know the CEOs. We are all friends. <laughs> right? And I told, you know, and I'm, I'm about to 
I'm, I learned how to be an ad. I'm my own ad agency now because I'm about to start coming with pitches for everything. Different brands, different this, anything that I could think of that ties in or that they might like, right? Because now it's beautiful because the song has always been bigger than us. But now, you know, since the Geico commercial, everybody got to put a face with the record. You know, the old school folks knew who we were, but the young folk, you know, when, once now we put a face with the record, it's beautiful, but it's still beautiful because I get to live my life because that came out during the pandemic. We all had masks on. So I still get to live my life. People still don't know who I am, but they yeah. know who I am, right? And that's the that's the perfect thing for me because I and this this is this is the key, especially for men, but for women too. Over these years, I've learned to take every negative emotion, hate, fear, envy, despair, loathing, jealousy, and not react to it. It's there. But you don't react to it because when you react to it, you become a slave to it, right? You know, you know the people you've been arguing. You argue with somebody who they just got to win the argument, so they yeah. just start going down that rabbit hole of untruth. I'd be like, okay, you're right. I, I, you, hey, you can have this one, but they still keep trying to convince you because they know that you know that they full of shit, right? <laughs> and it's sad because I just watched them go down the rabbit hole of untruth. Right, because they don't know how to sequester their pride and sequester their ego. I love to be wrong, because if I'm wrong, that's the path to being right. And if you can sequester your ego and kill your pride, and not react to all those negative situations, you just take them and put them in your pocket. They turn into positive ener positive energy that you use later, right? Like, and then once that happens, your mind is truly open to every possibility. If you're still dwelling on what you do want to do because you want to be right you're missing all the opportunities that are that 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 are open to you right and i'm telling you that has worked for me better than anything and like i say it kills me inside because i hate to be wrong I'm, I'm i'm not i'm just like everybody else i'm dying inside but i don't react but then if i have an audition and i'm arguing with this dumbass girl two weeks ago <laughs> and i got a script where i gotta argue with somebody now I don't have to find a character or a caricature. The character becomes me. And then you have some, you have the energy to work off of. I got the energy to work off of. And that's how you use it. Or if somebody tells you you can't do nothing, well, you might be trying to figure something out, but that's the motivation to be like, they said I couldn't do it, but I got to show them I can do it. Because I don't quit. I play offense. I don't quit. I keep it moving, right? And I don't attach... You know, for me, it's not about quid pro quo. Like, you don't plant a seed, sit down, and then be like, okay, seed, I need you to grow. Come on, seed, grow. Please grow, seed, please. And the seed don't work, I quit. We know people like that, right? And what they don't understand is that you plant that seed and keep it moving because you don't know how long it's going. You don't know how long it's going to take. It could be a shrub. It could be a tree. It could be a weed. But you plant that seed and keep planting other seeds because... You can't be emotionally attached to it because there is no quit pro quo. If I do this and this don't happen, then I'm a fail. No, if you don't happen, it just didn't happen. Right. That's how I look at it. And 28 years ago, I planted a seed called Wound. There it is. And now it is a sequoia and it ain't going nowhere. You plant them seeds and you keep moving and you keep pre preparing and you keep nurturing. 
right? All I'm dealing, all I deal with is preparation. And people ask me, "What are you doing these days?" I'm like, "I'm doing a hundred things, man." DC, you can't do all that. You know what? You're right. I can't do all that. It is a lot, but I sure enough can be prepared for all that. And they their eyes light up and they say, "That makes sense." And I just shake my head. I say, "You just approved of the very thing you just disapproved of." Right. Said differently. You know why? Because preparation is doing everything. You're doing everything possible that you can do to be prepared for that opportunity if it comes back and hits you in the head. Right? It, and what the pandemic taught me is that there are no mistakes and there are no there are no uh, missed opportunities. You can correct that crap. Right? Perfect example. I'm in the bowels of Disney, 1995. Teaching Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse how to rap because we did a Disney record called Won't There Went for the Kids. Lasted 10 years. That started my voiceover career because they were like, you can do this, do this. You got a great voice for this. But I'm like, yeah, 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 talk to my manager. Because I'm wound, there it is. My hubris as a young man is in the way. And I beat myself up for years because I was there. 1996, I'm sitting in an office, brand new, new line cinema. Our manager knew uh, the president because they went to school together. And he's like, man, I think I want to audition you for this one part. Uh, the lead part is LL, you know, LL Cool J and Wesley Snipes are fighting over it. It's a vampire movie. It's called Blade. And I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on and talk to my manager. Because I'm wound, there it is. I'm on my thing. You and missed Blade? For years, it was Blade. And I've been <sighs> for years because I was there, right? You should, still, you should still beat yourself up. I'm just going to say. <laughs> hey, but, I'm, but I'm just going to say. Here's the thing. You can correct all that because now I'm an actor with five movies under my belt and a movie and a TV show about to come out. Three TV shows I've done. I've done Dynasty. I've done I've done a lot of stuff in four years. Right? And I'm an actor. And I'm a voiceover because when COVID, was, when COVID hit, I, you know, we were all in the Serengeti together. It's like, what are you going to be? Predator or Prey? Couldn't go do shows. Couldn't everybody ask the same question? What the hell am I gonna do? And I was like, I'm gonna rock this microphone. And I went back, and every class I take, I record them. So I went back 10 years ago and listened to my first voiceover classes. It almost made me cry because I realized that I was the one getting in my own way. Right. And I thought it was my coaches why I couldn't, why voiceover was so hard. And but at the same time, because I'm an actor and a voiceover now, and I never gave up, I was like, wait a minute, I understand what they're saying now. I didn't know the language. And I did my that first voiceover over again that almost made my skin crawl. And I did it again, and it was angelic because for the first time in my life, I had control over my voice, mastery over my voice. And I started booking instantly because back then every commercial was we're all in this together. COVID, right? Every yep. commercial. Absolutely. And started booking tons of commercial, booked a public spot, booked the House of Pain, Tyler Perry. Uh, and then here come Geico. And then after that, just and just because I put in the work, not because when I get on set, people don't even know who I am until I tell them. Right. And there's always a time where somebody's like, so what else do you do? And I'm like, this is the time to tell them. And then I tell them. Then it spreads through the whole set, and then the rest of the day they treat me like a princess because they can't believe it, right? Because I came on so humble. That's what you have to do. Those are the tactics that you have to use 
because the proof is in the pudding. I go in talking all day and, and act like a star. You will never see me act like a star because I despise it because there's no need for it. You get more by being humble and, and you know, you don't let people take advantage of you, but you get more by looking a man in his eye and respecting him first before he respects you, shaking his hand firmly. And you'll get more from that than you get from anything, all this other crap. Right. 100. I just try to tell people these are just practical things. They're adult things. Successful. They're adult things. They're adult things. And, you know, everybody, everybody's like, think they got to do social media. Everybody's always trying to get me to do social media. I'm like, I do do social media, but I don't need 100,000 people to like me. I need 100 people to pay me. That's why I do SEO. I'm trying to be in front of the people who need my services, not the people. I'm not, I don't need, I'm not, I don't need attention. If they're, if I'm a plumber and your sink just, and your toilet just backed up because you took a big old dump and now the <laughs> dump is everywhere and you don't know what to do and you go online and you got to find a plumber, I guarantee you I'm going to be the first person there to solve your problem. That's SEO. I'm I'd just starting to learn that. that. I'd rather have that ability than any other ability, being popular, all that. Can I solve your problem and get paid for it? Yes, because you need me and I'm going to do a good job. I'm going to be early on time and we're going to get it done. And then you're going to tell me all your friends and then all your friends is going to use me. And then that word, there's still such a thing as word of mouth. I don't need 100,000 people to like me. Only 100 people to pay me. I'm gonna have That's to make it. it into a T-shirt. That might be the next. That look. That might be our next T-shirt, brother. That might be our next T-shirt. Yeah, I mean, that's, but this is all part of my my motivational speaking stuff, man. It's I like, love it. I got, I got analogies all day, right? And this is why I do so many podcasts because I get to test them out. I get I get to know if they work or not because you can you can feel it. That's the beauty well, that one of works. That one works. You have to be able to connect. See, if you can't connect through Zoom and you despise it, then you just you you missing an opportunity. Because yeah. this isn't going anywhere. No, God, no. We started this. Well, I was in the same boat as you were. Mm-hmm. I was on the railroad in 2020. What else am I going to do? Nobody's riding the trains. We're not working. My yeah. wife bought me the podcast gear. Uh, I like to run my face. I'm really good at it. And I engage with people well. So mm-hmm. we went and did it. I knew none of this. Yeah. None of this. And I'm in the same boat you are. I, I love it. So – we're we're gonna we gotta close the bar up here soon. I mean, DC, I think I have you I'm on here. <laughs> it's that last it, we we're about to do last call here in a minute. Yeah. Um uh, we we'll have to get to Antico Pizza because that's my spot oh, yeah. down in Atlanta. You know what else I love about Atlanta, not to slide over for a minute, is everybody down there is is like you. Just nothing but good people. I had never met a bad person when I was down there. Mm-hmm. They're down here now though, because they're from everywhere else, but Atlanta's still cool. Like no. I, I really love Atlanta because you know I made my bones here. I've been in all the biggest clubs. I've met a million people here, and Atlanta is Atlanta, and beautiful. I do love. I do. I do like Antico Pizza. It just I hate that they don't. Like, <laughs> okay. Too thin. They're it's too thin. It'll be. I'm like I don't care. Ah, I want sausage. I love I want it. sausage and pepperoni. I'm not a one. I'm not that type of dude. And they would ah. not do it. I was so so, upset. so where can we so. We've got TV show and a movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Can you say which what, what they are? Or or we uh, TV show is P Valley, okay. And then the movie is uh the reinvention of Molly Singer, where I'm a judge. Okay. And when are they coming out? 
Molly Singer is going to be a while. Might be uh, the fall, but uh, okay. P Valley starts June third. So June third, P Valley. And that's yeah. going to be on. Mm-hmm. And then we can we'll have the movie. Yeah, and then I'm working on you know I'm working. We're about to have a, our own ice cream tag team ice cream. We did a sweepstakes with Geico, but I'm working behind the scenes to make that a true reality. So when you walk into Walmart, you see tag team ice cream. I'm I look. You know I need. I need to go to Baskin Robbins. You, you know we're there with a full. You know what I mean? We, we want to. We're synonymous with ice cream now. So that's well, yeah, absolutely turned into ten. You see what I'm saying? I, I need chocolate peanut butter, but the the swirls in the peanut butter got to be thick. They got to no, be no, like those Baskin Robbins. Ice cream is good. We got it. The guy who made it, Mikey, likes it in New York. I know he's gonna do this. He tried to hope throw the whole kitchen sink in it, but once we cut it back, you know, we got your little chocolate covered marshmallows, uh, peanut butter chunks, little cookie <sighs> dough, just mild, just a little bit of cookie dough, and it's good. I, it, it's, it's very rich and it's very good. And I know somebody is gonna gonna like it. And it's crazy because we get to go to uh, we get to go to Alaska and scoop ice cream for kids for a just dumb amount of money. From the I love it. Lager. See, that's that's amazing. So. How about the now we're working on the guest speaking or on the uh, public speaking and the uh, motivational speaking stuff. Mm-hmm. Anything with that coming up where people could could go? Because I'm going to tell you right, right, now, right now. I'm at the, the beginning phase where I just want to I have to. So here's what has to happen. I already have the, everything together, but I have to put together a I have to put together my marketing. So I have to get in front of people and record it. Right. So what I probably do is a series of a. Uh, just with people who, you know, I might even just try to put somewhere I got 50 people there that I can record myself just going through this and then put that together in a reel and then send that out. Cause I got man, I got booking agents that can do it for me. And cause I re- I want to do this right. So I'm doing it. I'm learning from the masters and these masters do $1.5 million a year speaking all over the world. And I'm on, I'm, I am under their tutelage and they are excited because they see something that they've never seen before in me. Right. So it's on. I want you to, let you know. to just like we started, just like we started this, when you were talking about taking control, mm-hmm. trying to find, you know, don't just be happy that you're the guy sweeping the floor. Once you get done sweeping that floor, go ask the guy how to run the machine. Once he yeah. teaches you how to go learn everything. If you could put that together for some young folks, because I'm a, see, I'm a weird one. I don't think that this generation coming up is a bad generation where a lot of people, oh, they don't do they, they said it about my generation, your generation. I just think they do things differently and they, they approach it. Yeah, they do things differently and they don't want to be told what to do. Like youth is wasted on the young. And there you go. I didn't want nobody. Hey, I was like, sit your old ass down. You can't tell me nothing, but I always listened. Right. And I know these young kids are the same way. If you say something worth saying, they'll listen to you. But if you come with the same stuff everybody else comes with, they're not going to listen to you. So if I come to them with game, because to me, it's not about me educating them. There's certain words they don't like. That's like kryptonite to them. But I was like, come here, come here, man. Come here. Let me put you on game. They hear that. Oh, game. You got you got some game for me? Cool. They listening. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave you with this. Like, I'm all about solutions. And this is one of my analogies. I think about the most pie in the sky, fantastical you know, uh, just crazy solution. And I see it. But they're like, man, you can't do that, DC. I was like, you might be right. I can't do it now, but I see it. And I said, it might work if I pull pull back an inch. Let me pull back another inch. Well, I'm halfway doing that now. Let me pull back a little more. 
well, if you do this, do that, and switch up a couple things, well, this is what you're doing now. And what you've just done is you've created a, a, a reverse business plan with a stepladder to your goals and dreams because oh, you reverse engineered your own success. It's all within you. As long as you breathe and there's nothing on this earth you can't do. And I'll leave you all with that. I love it. Now, where can we all find now? There's an SEO lesson for you. Make that sure is definitely. All your handles are the same. All my handles for me, DC Glenn ATL. For tag team, tag team whoop. They're all the same across every platform. So you should have no problem finding me. That's the whole point is to be found. Synergy. And I'm gonna I'm gonna promote him one extra that he didn't even say this. I have dealt with a lot of I've dealt with a fair amount of people that are of a of a celebrity stature. I've talked with them, mm-hmm. reached out to them. Nine out of ten won't reach back out to you. They'll they don't have time for you, or they'll send their people to contact you. DC and I were going to do this last year. He had a show to do. I understand that completely respected it. I reached back out to him. I said, DC, I have an opportunity. Will you come back on the show? Absolutely. Let's make this happen. What time? Send me what you need. I thank you for that. You, you were phenomenal. Right. Have one. And just the, the way you approach it, everything you just said, if you think it was full of soup, I'm promising you right now. That's the way DC treated me, and that's how we went about this. And yeah. I got to thank you, brother. I really and, do. Relationships are important, man. You know, and, and and I'm an honorable man. My parents raised me right. You know, I, I I thank my parents for everything because I I I have never not known love. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people can't say that. But I'm here to give you what I learned from my parents: the simple, practical things that can help you in life. Love it. And if you want to hear it. I'm all I, I I will speak to the high heavens. If you don't want to hear it, I'm gonna speak anyway. <laughs> so we're gonna get ready to close close the bar up. Don't log off after we get done. I gotta get some. Oh yeah. Uh, I got- before we go, I want to thank you for letting me come on here and run my mouth. And before we go, I got I gotta get this off my chest. Please. Sprinkle. <laughs> well, I I would I, I would normally say say the guests uh. The guest gets the last gets the last word, but I think that might have been the last the final word for this one was sprinkles. Hey, hey, hey man, <laughs> what can I say? I appreciate you though, man. Thank you, brother. Stick around afterwards. Right. I got one thing for you. Alrighty, All folks, be sure to push your stool in. This has been an earplug podcast presentation found on earplugpodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.